Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, hello everyone. It's great to be back uh, with you and uh, hope you're not just surviving this season, but thriving. Uh, whatever that look like looks like for you and your family right now, do the best you can with what you have right where you are. And I know that God's grace is going to sustain us and uh, we are going to get through this together. I just want to encourage you to continue, as we've already heard uh, today in this service, to continue to celebrate communion as a family. Also, I would encourage you to keep uh, your rhythms and routines as normal, as best as you can. Uh, enjoy this time with your family. Make sure that you're creating and building an, uh, your own altar of worship for your children, for each other. If you're single and by yourself, uh, make sure you stay connected to the community of Numa Church online. And uh, we just want to uh, let you know that we love you. We are praying for you. Uh, and we are so looking forward to gathering together on the other side of this. But there are things that God is wanting us to grow in. And there are things that He's wanting us to pay attention to in this season, that if we would make the best use of the time that we have, rather than just binge watching Netflix. I'm sure a bit of that's been happening for you. Uh, I would encourage you to really lean into the Holy Spirit and ask Him how you can best utilise the time that you have. We are, as you've already heard from Pastor Raph, uh, in our third week of our War of Words series. And this will be the final uh, week of our series. But I am so excited about bringing the Word to you today. So let's pray and let's get into it. Father, I thank You so much for Your goodness and Your grace. I thank You, Father, that You are faithful in every season. I thank You, Lord, that Your mercies are new every morning. I thank You, Father, that no virus or pandemic can compete against the will of the Lord, against the Word of the Lord, against the purposes of the Lord for our lives. And Father, I just pray, help us, Lord, to redeem the time. Help us to make the best use of the time. And what the locusts and cankerworm have eaten away, God, I believe and I declare today prophetically that You will restore over our families, over our finances, over our health, over every area of our lives. I lift up any sick people right now who's watching this online. God, I pray Your healing power in Jesus' Name would invade their body and from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Lord, that sickness would disappear. I command COVID to disappear in Jesus' Name and to never return again. And that, Lord, all of the inconveniences and restrictions and limitations of this season would be a foregone memory, O oh God, in weeks to come as we move into, Lord, new things that You have for us in the coming months. God, we honour You, we love You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Well, I want to invite you to turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And as you're turning to James 3, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 12. I actually want to just remind you about our Disciple the Nation Summit coming up at the end of August. It's our digital online event and it's our global mission focus for the year. Can I encourage you to get around our Disciple the Nation's vision? And uh, both on the Saturday, we'll be running a digital online summit as well as on the Sunday, focusing 
on Disciple the Nations. I love our, uh, all that we're doing all over the world to partner with God's heart for global missions. So make sure that you are a part of it as well. James chapter 3, verse 1. He's got a few powerful and confronting things to say about how we use our mouths. And he says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things." How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And James says, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, and I would add, and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I don't know about you, but that's got to be some of the most colourful, powerful, striking imagery uh, in the entire Bible. And commentators and scholars have long said that the letter of James is almost like the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's filled with lots of practical wisdom. And today I want to speak to you on the subject, a restless evil, a restless evil. Well, beyond the global health issues that this uh, pandemic has presented to us here in Australia and all over the world, the reality is that COVID-19 has presented to us a massive social crisis of epic proportions. The Australian saying, she'll be right, mate, uh, no longer applies as we've discovered that there's a whole lot that isn't right, and in fact, there's a whole lot that's wrong with the world around us. Recent studies just into the initial impact and effect of COVID-19 across the world tells us that there has been a 40% decline of median household income right across Australia. Not only that, but 50% of adults have reported struggling with a mental health issue and 70% of Australian adults have 
declared that this season has been the most stressful event and experience of their entire lives. And it's so important to not only acknowledge the reality, but to get perspective on our present problems. And one of the places that we need to get perspective on is history. If we don't understand what has gone before us, often we are destined to repeat the same mistakes in our present and future. And history records we aren't the only generation to have ever faced such trials. Generations before us have faced global wars. They have faced famines and natural disasters and pestilences and all sorts of difficulties and trials throughout history. But not only does history become a, 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 like a portal through which we get a perspective on our present and future situations, but the Word of God, the Bible itself, records that first century believers face trials of epic proportions as well. They include persecutions, false doctrine uh, conflict, uh, issues around natural disasters like famines and pestilences. This is not the first time that the church has not been able to gather corporately in corporate worship. And so the Apostle James, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes to Jewish Christians who are living in the Mediterranean. And these Jewish Christians were broken up into a number of house churches and they were suffering under the weight of persecution and poverty. And that external pressure actually started to cause an internal conflict in those Christian communities where fighting factions developed and the churches began to splinter over over a war of words amongst themselves. And into this situation, the Apostle James writes this in the first two verses of James chapter 1. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, it's good for you to say, James, but you're not facing the situations that we're facing. What exactly is James talking about in this passage? Well, he's saying we're never going to reach maturity of character apart from a faith-filled response to the trials of life that we face. In fact, tests around us are necessary for there to be a testimony inside of us. Think about what does a kettle of water do when it boils? Answer, it makes a noise. In the same way, what's the first thing to make a noise when we are under pressure? Answer, our mouths. We start whinging and moaning and complaining. We start blaming circumstances. We blame the dog. We blame uh, people. We blame the boss. We blame the pastor. We blame and we look for every reason in the world to pass on the responsibility for our own situation. 
And one of the key verses that God has been speaking to me about that I'm growing in agreement and sanctification with during this season is Philippians 2.14. It's where Paul, writing from a prison cell in AD 62, says this, Do all things without grumbling or complaining, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Well, I don't know about you, but my flesh response to Paul's words is, well, who asked you, Paul, for your opinion? You're not facing what I'm going through. You're making us look bad when you write stuff like that, when you're in the middle of a prison cell. I didn't ask you for your opinion, Paul. But my spirit and my God response when I read that passage says, how will a broken generation shrouded in darkness ever see the light of the gospel of the glory of God if we as believers are mouthing and saying the same things that everybody else is around about us. Could it be that despite all of the limitations, our greatest witness in this season is to do all things without grumbling and complaining? You see, I believe that there is a direct correlation between the words of our mouths and the maturity of our character. It's really important that you capture that and understand it. There is a direct correlation between the words of our mouth and the maturity of our character. And that's why God says through the Apostle James in this passage, if you can control what you say, you will control what you do. That's so good, I'm going to say it again. If you can control what you say, you will control what you do. You see, what James does at the beginning of this passage he, is he moves from warning wannabe teachers of the Word to warning everyone with a mouth, which includes you and includes me. James isn't giving us career counselling to avoid the accountability of the platform. No, he's actually warning us of the dangers of an unrestrained tongue and the impact of that not only upon our lives, but upon the lives of everybody around us. He says in verses two to four of this passage, we all stumble, even pastors, shock horror. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man or woman, able also to bridle their entire body. What James does is he uses two analogies to help explain spiritual truth. He uses firstly the analogy of a bit in a horse's mouth and secondly, a rudder on a large boat. Now, a bit in a horse's mouth actually directs uh, where that horse goes. In our own family, we have a similar experience with our German shepherd, Maverick, who sometimes we mistake for a horse, he's that big. But when the family decides that we're going to take Maverick for a walk or one of the members of the household, we generally have to put a harness over his snout because be careful what you name your dogs because it's prophetic. He wants to be a 
maverick and he wants to try and do what he wants to do. And so unless we connect that uh, harness over his nose and connect it to a leash, that dog is like demon possessed. And no matter how many times we've had lessons and, and, and dog whisperers and all sorts of shamans and dog doctors trying to help us, the reality is a good harness and a leash will get the job done because we'll steer that dog in direction that he wants to go. Well, in the same way, a rudder on a large boat steers that boat where the captain wants it to go. And so too, your tongue is like a rudder that will steer your life in a specific direction. It's so important you understand what your mouth speaks, your life will follow. Mark my words. Your words will eventually shape your world. And so all of us need to weigh in this season, what direction, what world are our words actually creating for us? You may look around at your lounge room right now. You may look around your house and go, well, there's nothing much happening around here at the moment because of all the inconveniences and restrictions and limitations. But let me tell you, you are more than the four walls of your lounge room. You are more than what's going on in your house right now. You've got a purpose and a destiny. You've got a calling and a great commission that God has called you to. And your words can either accompany and pull you into where it is that God wants you to be or your words can dramatically and very quickly take you away from where God wants you to be. You see, I've learned the secret to growing in Christ's likeness and it's learning to control your tongue. I still have a long way to go in this, but if you can begin to learn to control your language, your speech, your tongue, and if you do make a mistake, keep a short account with God, repent quickly, call upon the grace of God at work in your life, all of a sudden you're gonna begin to see the power of the Holy Spirit manifest in your life. And you're going to be able to control more of what you can do because you're learning to exercise the fruit of self-control over your tongue. You see, I really believe that this season presents to us a brilliant opportunity for us to be aware that God is wanting us to elevate our consciousness of our words in this season. Many of us right now are more problem conscious than we are promise conscious. We're more problem conscious than we are word conscious. Can I encourage you to actually stop just being conscious of your problems and start being conscious of the promises of God and get those promises in your mouth. If there is gonna be a quicker way, a faster way for you and us to get out of some of the challenges we're facing and into some new uh, breakthroughs in God, it's gonna be when we get the promises of God conscious, present in our mouths and we're declaring it and we're speaking it over our lives, over our families, over our church, over our city, over our political leaders, because God is calling us to understand that our tongue, while it may be small, its influence over our lives is significant. The Bible says in verse five to six of James writing to the church, he says, the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. 
The tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Well, I don't know about you, but talk about not holding back. It's not like James is, you know, pulling any punches here on warning us of the dangers of the tongue. In fact, all of the commentators and scholars tell us that James pulls out all the stops to give us the most striking, almost violent language to help us understand the danger of our tongues. Have you ever noticed how an ill-fitly spoken word can spread like wildfire? And maybe you said something in confidence to somebody about a situation or maybe even shock horror another person. And before you know it, you know, it's like you sow a wind, you reap a whirlwind and it comes back to you multiple times and you call in the fire department to chase down that wildfire of what it is that you've actually created. And sadly, often it can... Nothing much changes in the church. There's an old saying, telegram, telephone, telechristian. And, and, and I tell you, it's very true when it comes to the kingdom of God. All of us have had those moments when we have had to face uh, the, the challenges of an ill-fitly spoken word that we wish we could swallow back up and take those words back into our mouths. I remember 20 years ago, God convicting me as I was entering into full-time ministry to go back and repair two relationships where there was a a war of words between us and they'd happened two years before. One of it was I broke the confidence of someone and another conversation was uh, a disagreement that I very much was in the right of, but how I handled it and how I communicated wasn't helpful in that situation. And as I was entering into the full-time ministry, God challenged me and convicted me by the Spirit that even though I hadn't seen those people for years and even though we hadn't uh, uh, had a conversation conversation post those events to go back and repair the relationship. I struggled with that. I wrestled with that. I didn't even know where some of these people were, but I made inquiries, made phone calls, met up with them and was able to sit down and in humility and grace, ask for their forgiveness, even if I wasn't in the wrong, how I spoke or how I handled it needed to be repaired. And the way that, that that whole event unfolded meant that there was less burden, less weight upon my shoulders, and there was this freedom to be able to do the ministry and live the life that God had actually called me to. You see, no matter what conflict resolution strategies you learn, no matter what communication techniques you learn, you need to understand something from James's perspective. The tongue is impossible to tame apart from the Holy Spirit and the fruit of self-control. It is only possible to bring a measure of discipline and control to your tongue through the power of the Holy Spirit and the development of the fruit of self-control in your life. James says in verse 7 and 8, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, even German shepherd dogs, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. There it is. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Now, Jesus said it was to our advantage that he would go away. And the reason it was to our advantage is because he would send the helper, the Holy Spirit, 
to us to come and live inside of us. Apparently, the Holy Spirit living inside of us was better than Jesus standing beside us. And there is something that when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and in our lives, there is something dramatic that happens where we find the grace, the power to be able to develop the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And one of the forgotten fruits of the Holy Spirit in our generation is the fruit of self-control. But I'm here to tell you today that when it comes to your confession and when it comes to your tongue, the fruit of self-control is still on the menu. It can still be ordered. It can still be developed. And it is imperative that we are asking the Holy Spirit to help us to control our tongues in this season. You see, winning the war of words begins with understanding that God wants us to speak to serve one another in love. We don't speak to assume superiority over people. We don't speak to try and boast and highlight how brilliant we are. We speak to first uh, serve one another in love. And if you constantly are thinking, how can I use my words to build up, to lift up, to stir up and to serve one another in love? Let me tell you, you, you'll all of a sudden see that what comes out of your mouth is blessing, is encouragement. If you want to prophesy, let me tell you how to learn how to prophesy. Yes, one aspect of us, it begins with hearing God's voice. But if you just begin to encourage people and build people up, all of a sudden that encouragement will become more and more specific and the Holy Spirit will get on it. Why? Because you've devoted and consecrated your tongue to the Spirit of God and you are exercising control. Uh, Let me tell you, God will anoint your tongue. He'll empower your tongue to speak the Word of the Lord over people's lives. One of the great lessons I've learned from Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, is simply this. Seek first to understand and then to to be understood. Many of us are trying to be understood without seeking first to understand. Well, James tends to agree with Stephen Covey. In fact, I think Stephen Covey got it from James 1.19. It says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. There is a reason that God gave us two ears and one mouth. It's an indicator that you and I are to listen twice as much as we speak. And here is a good reason why that's good advice. Listening is how you learn. It's how you grow in wisdom. But when you speak, you are simply sharing what you already know. If you want to learn something you've never learned before, if you want to grow in wisdom you've never grown in before, it's going to require us to listen more than we speak. You see, when we open up our mouths to speak, our tongues, James says, must not be duplicitous, but congruent with our faith in Jesus. Let me unpack those two two words, duplicity and congruence. In verse 9 and 12, James unpacks those two words and ideas this way. With it, with our mouths, we bless our Lord and Father. And with our mouths, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. These things should not be. Now, duplicity when it comes to our confession is to be double-tongued. 
It's to say both blessing over people and cursing over people. It's actually a sign of spiritual immaturity. Congruence, on the other hand, congruity is is to be true. It's to be in alignment. It's to be single. It's to be consistent. It's to be mature, spiritually mature in our confession. To bless and to curse out of the same mouth is to be duplicitous. And blessing and cursing, you've got to understand, is diametrically opposed to each other. One cancels out the other. We can't praise God on Sunday online church and slander people on Monday. It doesn't work like that. You can't declare on your Instagram profile, you know, an Instagram post of how great God is and then set up another Instagram address and just bag everyone out of what's going on in the world, which I know some people do. It cancels out. Blessing and cursing can't come out of the same mouth. Why? Because to curse people made in God's image is to curse the very nature of who God is. It's to actually curse this sovereign character of God and his heart and his intention for people's lives. And what James does is he uses an analogy from creation to illustrate the ridiculousness of being double-tongued. He says from a spring of water, you don't have fresh water and salt water uh, coming from that opening. You only have one or the other. He says a fig tree doesn't produce olives, a grapevine doesn't produce figs, and a salt pond will not yield fresh water. In the same way, just as no tree would produce two kinds of fruit, a mature follower of Christ has one uh, expression, one theme, one declaration coming out of their mouth. In fact, in Luke 6.28, Jesus calls us to bless those who curse us. You see, the litmus test of our spiritual maturity And what God is trying to say through the writings of James, not only to the early church, but to us here in the 21st century is simply this. Your spiritual maturity is defined by the words that come out of your mouth. In James 1.26, he says this. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I've come to discover that spiritual maturity is only an illusion if it doesn't practically change how we speak. And so to the person who boasts, I speak my mind, no matter who gets hurt, can I encourage you to not just be speaking with yourself in mind, but to actually use your language to serve others. To the person who gossips too much, Can I encourage you to control your tongue or you're going to lose trust with people very quickly? To the person who is double-tongued, can I ask you to repent of that and ask the Holy Spirit to help you speak only blessing over people's lives and that which will build up? To the person whose speech is peppered with ridicule, sarcasm and criticism, can I encourage you to repent of that? And to actually begin to ask God to bring a new theme into your heart and therefore a new declaration out of your mouth. All of us need to approach the war of words in an attitude of humility because we all stumble when it comes to the words that are coming out of our mouths. 
My prayer is that over these last three weeks, and if you've missed any of this series, can you please, can I plead with you to go back, listen, watch the teaching, get it into your spirit, ask God to bring a change of theme into your heart. And as you begin to partner with the Holy Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit of God, when it comes to your speaking, watch the impact of that, not only upon your life, but upon the lives of the people around about you. You might want to, out of the conviction of this moment, because I sure have felt it when I've been studying and working through all of these messages, why don't we actually join together and pray and ask God to forgive us and give us the grace that we need to be able to speak in such a way that images God rather than what images the serpent. Let's pray. Father, we just come to You today. We're conscious of the fact that left on our own and to our own devices, we will fail every time. No human being can tame the tongue. We all need to grow in this. We all need to, uh, Lord, uh, speak better. And Father, I'm praying today that You would fill us with Your Holy Spirit afresh today, that You would renew our minds, that You would change the theme of our hearts, that You would forgive us for the times that we have, uh, Lord, cursed those made in your image and likeness, however frustrated we might be. Lord, where there's been boasting, Lord, where there's been, uh, Lord, responses from us that have come, been birthed more out of uh, the pressure of the moment versus the, the patience of the Spirit. God, I ask that you would help us. Give us grace. Give us, Lord, the power that we need, Lord, to really speak in such a way that honours you, uh, and, and loves people around about us. I thank you for this series. I thank you, Lord, for what you've taught us. I thank you for what you are doing inside of us in the midst of this season. I pray that you'd help us to mature, be perfect and complete. Lord, that we would acknowledge the circumstances around us, but Lord, we would choose, oh God, the content of our mouths to bring honour and glory to your, to your name today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.